0: The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Christ the King. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Penny And I'm the senior pastor here, and it is great to be with you. Uh, It's good for us to gather together, to worship our God, to sing to Him, and to come to His Word. And this morning, we're starting a new sermon series in the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible. So early in our Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Joshua. Um, that's where we'll be and if you don't have a bible uh, there are bibles in the chairs in front of you and we'll project the passage in a moment but if you're familiar with the book of joshua then uh, you know that uh, this book is a fun book it's fun because uh, there are all sorts of things that take place in this old testament book there are battles that are fought that are there are speeches that are made there are calls to be strong and there are acts of grace This is the story, the the book continues the story of God's people, right? And a people who had been given a promise way back in Genesis, that first book of the Bible. You remember, God called Abram. He later was known as abraham but he called abram right to to rise up and to go into a land that god was going to show him and god promised i will make you a great nation and the nations of the earth all the families of the earth they will be blessed through you god promised that he would make abraham a blessing in order to be a blessing to the world and part of that blessing was to give him a little bit of land A land where his people would grow and where Israel would increase. And from that land, it would be a beachhead of blessing into the world. But if you know the story of the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Bible, then you know that along the way, Israel was enslaved in Egypt. They were delivered from Pharaoh. They wandered in the wilderness. They grumbled and tested God. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that is the story. This is the direction they've been moving to. They're coming to this land generation after generation, year after year. And now they have finally come to the cusp of that land of promise. They have now come to that place where they are ready to enter into the land where God is going to give it to them. And that's where we begin our reading in Joshua For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan, To go in to take possession of the land that the lord your god is giving you to possess and to the reubenites the gadites and the half tribe of manasseh joshua said remember the word that moses the servant of the lord commanded you saying the lord your god is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land your wives your little ones and your livestock shall remain in the land that moses gave you beyond the jordan but all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and ask that as we come to it now that that you would help us father we need uh, your spirit to open our eyes and to unplug our ears and to soften our hearts and so we ask that that's what he would do so that we would see you in this word and we would know what it means to be your people so meet with us lead us help us we pray in christ's name amen the quest stands upon the edge of a knife stray but a little and it will fail to the ruin of all these were the words of the elf witch the queen galadriel in tolkien's the lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring now if you're familiar with this story this book that tolkien wrote then you know that the story of the lord of the rings is the story of a quest It's of hobbits and men, of an elf and a dwarf going in and taking this ring, going into this land to destroy the ring of power. And in destroying the ring of power, they will destroy the power of Sauron, who is the epitome, the the pinnacle of evil. And all of Middle earth will be rid of his evil power forever. It's a story of a quest. And these are the words that Galadriel, the the beautiful and powerful elf queen, the elf witch, she says to this uh, this group of, of, of hobbits and elves and dwarves. You see, they stood before her unsure, full of fear, uncertain about what next would come, uncertain about tomorrow. She said, the quest stands upon the edge of a knife. And they surely felt those words to be true because they had already experienced how perilous the quest had been. But even more now, as they stood before the elf witch, this queen, they knew how dangerous their quest was because their leader, their guide, Gandalf, was dead. You see, Gandalf was their Their leader, he was the wizard. He was the one who was powerful and strong. He was wise. He knew the way he had led them to this place so far. And he was to take them into the land where they would destroy the ring. But Gandalf, their leader, was gone. He was dead. And so they would have felt without this leader, they would have felt that the quest stood upon the edge of a knife. And that if they strayed just a little, that they would fail to the ruin of all. Now, it's not hard to imagine that this is exactly what Israel was feeling as they were standing on the banks of the Jordan River. Right, as they were standing on this river and they were looking into the land of promise, this land that God had declared he would give to them, they, they would have felt like their quest stood upon the edge of a knife because their leader, their guide, their champion, he was dead. Right, Moses, the one who had led them for years, the one who had brought them out of slavery, Moses, who led them through the wilderness, he was gone. We hear it in verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Verse 2, God says explicitly, Moses, my servant, is dead. And so you can imagine what's going through Israel's mind, right? Moses, this one who stood before Pharaoh, who was at the time the most powerful man in the world. Moses, who went to the mountaintop and met with God. Moses, who led the people. Moses, who spoke on behalf of God to the people. Moses, who was the advocate for the people before God. He was gone. When they needed him, he was dead. Fear. Worry. Anxiety and concern. Surely these are the things that would have been flooding over Israel. The quest stands upon the edge of a knife. What will become of them? What will become of them? Moses is dead. But God is not. Their leader is gone, but God is not. No, immediately in the midst of the turmoil of Moses' death, God provides for them. He provides for them a leader. We see it, right, with Joshua in verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Verse 5, God says to Joshua, Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You see, what's beautiful is that God immediately, though Moses is dead, though Moses, their leader, is gone, God immediately fills the void, right? That that though they may feel alone and be feeling like they're engaged in this leaderless void, God raises up a new leader, a new leader who will take them into the land. God provides for them. He provides leadership and he provides the land. We see it in verse 2 and following. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving you, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. You see, the promise that God had made, that he had made to Abraham, that he had made to Moses, this promise of the land, it doesn't fade away. You see, it would have been easy for them to have thought that the promise was dependent upon the one who received the promise, upon Moses or Abraham, right? He was the one who led them for all those years, but what God is declaring is that his promise, his provision, isn't dependent upon the one to whom the promise is received, but it's dependent upon the one to whom the promises give, who gives, that That God is the one who gives his promise. That he is the one who will fulfill his promise, right? He says, go into the land that I am giving you. It is sure. Do not doubt. Do not be afraid. Though Moses is dead, I will give you this land. But even with this provision, a new leader, Joshua the promise of this land, there still would have been fear and trepidation, right? I mean, because Joshua, though he was Moses' assistant, though he had worked with Moses, apprenticed with him, kind of he was he was a leader in the army, right? He's still a new leader, right? He's still now just becoming the leader. And so maybe they would have thought, well, he's kind of green, let's test him out a little bit. You know, or, or they, they might still in their minds be thinking, well, well, there are still enemies, there are still nations, there are still people who are going, going to want to fight against us. And so, so there's fear and trepidation and uncertainty. And in the midst of that, God doesn't just provide for them, but he also commands them. You see the command that he gives to Joshua in verse 6? Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Joshua, other than the battle of Jericho and Rahab, both stories that we'll get to in the next few weeks, this phrase, be strong and courageous, is what you know from Joshua. I mean, one of the very first verses that I ever memorized after I became a Christian in college was Joshua 1.6, be strong and courageous, right? Maybe y'all have memorized that too. And if I asked you about the book of Joshua, that's where you would run. In fact, this past week, I was talking with our staff and one of our staff members, that's what she said. Be strong and courageous. You're going to tell us to do that, right, Penny? That's what this is about. Because that's where we go in our minds. And rightfully so, right? We like this call, be strong and courageous. It's a call to power, to resiliency, to fortitude. Be strong and courageous. So where does that strength come from? And how do we grow that courage? Well, it's not through kettlebells and keto or planks and protein. See, this isn't a scripture proof for taking care of our bodies, right? I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. (laughs) Right? That's not what this is about. It's not just about our personal resolve, like we're going to be courageous in the face of fear. We're going to be strong when we need to. I I promise I will, right? In fact, later in the passage, we hear a lot of resolve from the people of God. Did you see it at the end? They hear about Joshua, this new leader. And in verses 16 through 18, they say, they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment, disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So you hear the people, right? You hear them. They're saying these words right back to Joshua that God had said to him already. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. We will be strong and courageous. We will hold firm. This reminds me of a scene that shows up in every single good, good war movie. Right? Every great war movie has that scene where the leader, often mounted on a horse, is in front of his army... Right? He's in front of his men and he's, he's gearing up the troops. They're getting ready to go into battle. And, and the troops, they cheer and, and they yell their allegiance and their readiness to fight. We will follow you to, de- to, to our death. We will obey you. We will be strong and courageous. You can hear the people, right? You can hear them getting themselves ready. The resolve in their voices But instead of this stirring in us hope and courage at their resolve, at their surety that they will be strong and courageous, we should maybe look at their words with a little bit of healthy skepticism. Right? They said, just as we obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. That sounds all well and good until we remember how they obeyed Moses. Right? Right? They grumbled and complained. And in Numbers chapter 14, they actually said, you know what, let us choose another leader who will take us back to Egypt. The people hadn't followed and obeyed Moses. They hadn't been strong and courageous. No, what were they? They were feeble and fickle. They were fearful and frightened. Now y'all listen, before we shake our heads in shame at Israel we should look at ourselves because their fear and fickleness we know all about that don't we I mean we've said in our minds and we've said in our hearts and we've said even in our prayers today I'll be strong against sin only to give in to temptation We've declared that that today I'm not going to be afraid. I won't be given over to fear. But then we hear that thought leader, that politician, that religious person. And worry fills our hearts and fear floods our minds. We resolve to be strong. And we promise to have courage. But our courage melts like ice in the sun. And our resolve is like a stone cast into a pond. It sinks. We hear that command, be strong and courageous, and we know very quickly that the strength and the courage that God is calling us to have and calling his people to embody, this is not a strength or courage that we can muster in ourselves. It is not something that we can build in ourselves. It doesn't come from the gym or from personal resolve. No, the strength and courage that God is calling us to comes only from his presence, You see, God gives his people a command and then he gives his presence to help them fulfill that command. Did you notice that every time God spoke, God spoke. When he speaks, be strong and courageous. He speaks of his presence. We see it in verse 5. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, right? God will be with his people. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. God's word, his declared will for his people, it is to always be with them. Verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Why? Well, He tells us because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, the strength that God speaks of And the courage that he commands, it comes only from him. It comes only from his presence. A presence that he promised to Joshua, and he promised to his people, and that he promises to us. Because God's word, his declaration that I will be with you and I will never leave you, wasn't just for Joshua, Joshua, and it wasn't just for Israel as they were going into the land. It's the promise that he makes to us. Do you remember Jesus' last recorded words in the Gospel of Matthew are, Behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. I am with you always. You see, through the work of God's Spirit, Christ is always with his people. He is with us, and that is why we can have courage That is where strength comes from. It comes not from ourselves, but it comes from the one who has defeated death and hell and the grave. I mean, the one who has that kind of power, not just to speak creation into existence, but then to defeat the powers of evil, to defeat death itself. That is the one who says, I will be with you. That I will go with you. That I will never leave you nor forsake you. Y'all, with With him leading the way, what do we have to fear? Can we not be strong and courageous because our champion, our leader, our savior, the one who has taken our sin upon himself, has gone to the cross and risen again, he is the one who goes with us. Be strong and courageous. That's what God gives us. His presence affords us courage and strength, but it also gives us rest. Look what Joshua says to the people in verse 13. The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Now this theme of rest within the land, it's going to show up again throughout this book. But, but this, this idea of rest in the land, it, it's because the land was supposed to be the restoration of what was lost in Eden. So you you think back all the way to Genesis, right? And God created the heavens and the earth and all that they contain. And he made man and woman in his image. After the image of God, he created them male and female, right? Adam and Eve. And they dwelt in the garden and they dwelt with one another in perfect harmony. And they dwelt and walked with the Lord, right? God walked in their presence. He was with them in the garden and they had rest. But that was lost. Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and they were cast out of his presence. And they now had to strive and toil. They had to work the land, but the land worked against them. But the promise was that, that God would dwell with his people again, and that promise was to come, come to fulfillment in, in part in the land. That as the people went into the land, God would dwell with his people again and they would know his rest. And that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Rest. Rest from our fears. Rest from our worries. Rest from the burdens of our sin. Rest. But this promise, rest of God because of his promise, it... It's not ultimately fulfilled in this small strip of land, but it's ultimately fulfilled in Christ. For in Hebrews chapter 8, the writer of Hebrews says, If Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did for him. That's the rest that Joshua looks forward to. A rest that doesn't come simply from the land because the land is simply a sample of what is to come. You see, it's a rest that awaits even us. A rest that comes not from ourselves, but it comes from Christ. When he dwells with his people. That is what God has promised us. That's what God is providing us. That's what God is giving us in his presence. He's giving us rest as the people stood on the riverbank, they would have thought, maybe not the exact words of Galadriel, but they would have known that their quest stood on the edge of a knife. They would have known that if they strayed just a little, and we'll see ways in which they will stray as we go into this book, that if they stray, that they would fail and that it would bring ruin. But the hope... The hope of this book, the hope of Joshua, the hope of Israel and our hope isn't in a new leader who has been raised up. It isn't in a rest that we create for ourselves. It's not even in our resolve or our courage or our strength. But our hope is in the God who provides, in the one who commands, in the one who is present. And so, friends, let us rest in Christ. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have promised to be with us. That you will not leave us nor forsake us. And so we pray that we would rest in you. That we would know that your presence through Christ. That your presence through your spirit. That your presence, it abides with us. So that we pray that we would rest in you. We would look to you. We would put our hope in you. And that we would be strong and courageous because you are with us. We ask that you would make this a reality to us. That you would make us aware of this in our daily lives. So that we would remember and know and be thankful that you will not leave us nor forsake us. That wherever we go, we go with our great champion, our savior, our friend, our elder brother Christ who gives us rest. And we pray all this in Christ's name. God's people said together. Amen.